Hello, and welcome back to Talking Talmud. I'm Ann Gordon, here with my friend and Chavuta, your Dana Azband, our Daf of the day, Masachat Sukkah, Daf Zion, page 7. So, there's a good amount of things on Amud Aleph, but we're going to start with Amud Bet, um, where really we're discussing here the, the, there's several different cases of a Sukkah, right? And it begins here, um, where you, if you have an alleyway and you put some kind of roofing, meaning schach, really, right? Sikich al gabay mavoy, so I felt like, oh, here we are in Erevin, right? We have got a, an alleyway that has a side post, and you put your schach on top of it. Can you use that for sukkah? And the answer is yes. And then, and so then Rava says, but if you put the schach on top of upright boards that were surrounding wells, and again, this is these are Erevin kinds of cases, right? It, that also should be fine. And then there's, the Gemara goes into a great deal of detail of on analyzing why do both of these cases need to be present here. And I don't want to delve into it because I have more things to say on the rest of, uh, you know, some the first half of Amun Bet. But, um, but the point here is that the same way that Erevin went through many, many, many different cases, the possibilities of sukkah are the range of possibilities of sukkah is vast, right? They're just the questions of when can you put a sukkah up? Where can you put, I don't mean when timing wise, I mean like under what circumstances, where can, where does it work under, you know, what kind of schach? We haven't even gotten into schach yet, really. Um, the, the, it's, I think, Yardana, you would say, because we're talking about space. And when we're talking about physical space, and there are so many potential different permutations, the idea that an alleyway can become your sukkah is kind of innovative, right? It doesn't have to be, um, I don't know, in your backyard. It doesn't have to be on your balcony or something like that. You can set up a sukkah in many, many different kinds of circumstances, you know, as long as it has the halachic parameters, definitions of the sukkah. So that takes me to the next part I want to talk about, which says, um, and this is now a quote, If you have a sukkah where the sunlight, meaning the amount of sunlight that comes through the schach, the schach being the roofing, whatever, of the sukkah, which I wouldn't really call roofing, but <coughs> I'm not sure that there's a better term for it besides the actual schach, Okay, so you have a sun, sunlight comes in more. It's going to be greater than the shade that comes through. So that means, I think the way, the easy way to test this is you look at the ground, right? And do you have more shade on the ground or do you have more sunlight on the ground? If it is more sunshine, then that is not going to be a kosher sukkah. You need to have more shade. Tanarabanan, chamata, machamat, sikuch. So the, they say as follows. When the sunlight is greater than the shade, what that means is the sunlight that goes through, like if you're, if the, if the schach is too sparse, right? It does the, not talking about, okay, so let me take a step back, right? We talked, your Dana, you talked especially about the walls and how you could, there is this, you know, opinion of, I think, Rav Yochanan, of this idea that you could end up with kind of empty walls, right? And so you're, of course, going to have sunlight coming in from the empty walls, right? And, that's not the concern here. That's why it says specifically, right? The fact that the sunshine is coming from the from the top, from the ceiling, from the roof of the sukkah, and it's too much, meaning you don't have enough shade. Not from the walls. Rabbi Yoshi Omer, 
Af machmat dafanot. So Ravyosha says, well, no, but even so, even if the sunshine is coming from the walls, that is going to be too much. You still have to have enough shade coming from the sky, from the schach itself, to prevent there being too much sunlight coming from the walls. Amar Rav Yemar bar Shalomia Mishmei da'abaye Mai tamad Rav Yoshia Dekhtib v'sakota al ha'aron et ha'parochat why does Rabbi Yoshe, why is he, what is his concern about the walls? So he takes he takes it from this verse in Shmot that you will make a screen. We will put a screen from the of the Aaron with the curtain from the parochet. So, right, parochet mechitza, the that curtain ends up being kind of a barrier. Like a kareleg rachmana kareleg rachmana schacha, and the Torah or. Rahmana can mean, I guess it means the merciful one, which means Hashem, but it refers to the Torah, right? The text itself ends up calling it Sakhacha. Alma And therefore, meaning because this parochet is ends up being treated like roofing, right? It ends up being an issue of schach. So therefore, we're gonna say that a machitza is similar to the same purpose of the schach. So the same way that the roof schach has to be mostly shade, mostly preventing the sunlight from coming through, so too the walls have to mostly prevent the sunshine from coming through. What this means for the idea that you could have you know, half walls, meaning from the ground halfway up, or that you could have um, strings providing your walls, but then clearly you're going to have some sunshine coming through. I think at the end of the day we would resort to saying those are different, you know, people have different opinions about what makes a kosher sukkah. Um, the one thing I just want to comment on why I particularly like this Gemara is that this, in some ways, is the essence of the sukkah, right? The sukkah is this hut structure that, you know, has all different possibilities for what could be the walls, but the nature of what has to happen from the roof, namely, it provides shade, and that's to the extent that there is more shade than sunlight coming through, um, that is the... Without that, you don't have a sukkah. I mean, it's not kosher. So then, to me, that becomes you know one of the definitional elements of of what this hut thing that we have the mitzvah for is all about. Well, I think that's a lot of what this dot is trying to tease out is what's essential. So for Amud Aleph, which we primarily skipped over, it's sort of trying to figure out what's essential for that third, not full wall. Here, they're trying to tease out what's essential for the shade piece. Um, when I get to my section at the end, I'll also talk about it in terms of what's essential. And again, I made this point, I think almost every single daf so far, the challenge is, is that the description of a sukkah is very vague in the Torah. And so therefore the Gemara is going to spend a lot of time trying to figure out what actually is a sukkah when the Torah Shabbat Tav, when the written Torah actually gives us no descriptors of one. Um, yes, exactly. Exactly. So they, but I I feel like they're not coming at it from thin air, right? They're still using principles. This is what we talked about yesterday, right? They're still finding some kind of basis somewhere to have it be the rationale, right? This idea of the walls are like the parochet, so therefore, right? So I think, I think it's like a, a rabbinic condition to always look for something that's going to be your comparison, your analog, your your source text, something that's going to give you a basis as opposed to, well, here's a nice idea I had in my head. I, no, I agree with that. I don't think it's out of thin air, but I think because it's vague, that's why they're spending so much time on it. 
and also trying to explain to us how did they learn it, right? If you go through Amid Aleph, so now this is how I'm getting Amid Aleph in, right? That's that whole discussion they have about the sukkah of Shabbos, the sukkah of a regular day, the sukkah of, Sha- you know, uh, sorry, the chatzer uh, or, or structure of Shabbos, that Shabbos of Yom Tov versus a regular Shabbos. And they're really going step by step. What are you allowed to learn from what? How does one principle from one scenario apply to another one? They're, they're taking you with the learning. Um, yes. Yes, I think that's very true. I'll hop down to the bottom of the DAF here um, with this very interesting statement of Abai. And again, if we're framing this DAF, or at least I'm framing this DAF, and in terms of sort of teasing out what is the essence of sukkah, right? Like, what are the essential things a sukkah has to have? So Ahmed Aleph is, you know, the two walls with a little smidge of a wall. You know, you talked about the issue of shade. So we had talked before, it came up, I think, once that a sukkah is something that we call like a rai. It's not a permanent residence. And yet Abai comes with sort of a really out there statement and says the following. Amar Abai, Rabbi Rabbi Yoshia, Rabbi Huda, Rabbi Shimon, Rabbi Gamliel, Ubeit Shammai, Rabbi Eliezer, Ba'acherim, Kulu Svir Luhu Sukkah Dirat Keva Ba'ina. So he basically lists all of these Tanaim. Remember, Abai is an Amora. And he lists all of these Tanaim. And he says, all of these are people who, and notice that also one of the categories is Acherim, right? Just others, right? All of these are people who actually hold that there's an element of sukkah that by definition is similar to a permanent structure. And so then he starts to go through each one of these people that he mentions and shares a teaching. Rabbi Titania, Rabbi Omer, kol sukkah she'en ba'arba'amot, al arba'amot psuah. Right, so Rabbi says that any sukkah that's not four by four amot is pasul. And we know that that is a piece of what a permanent residence has to look like, right? A permanent, anything that's smaller then four by four mode is not its own domain, right? We know this from Shabbos and Eruvin. Rabbi Yoshia Hadamrina, Rabbi Yoshia, right? He also holds uh, that a sukkah, right, has to be a permanent residence from what, what from what we saw before. This refers to a statement that he said before that the walls have to be, uh, they, they can't, they have to be impermeable basically to sunlight, right? Which is what a regular, which is what a permanent residence would be like. Rabbi Huda Ditnan, Sukashu Gavol Amalami Asrima Maps, who have Rabbi Huda Masha, right? This goes back to Rabbi Huda's statement that a sukkah that's higher than 20 amot, which is something we would typically see of a permanent residence, is still kosher. For Rabbi Shimon, right? Rabbi Shimon Ditanya, here's a brisa, right? Where he says, Shtekel Chatan, Begimel, Afilu Tefach, right? So we learned the first opinion of the brisa is you just need two walls in the smidge of a wall. For Rabbi Shimon Omer, Rabbi Shimon holds you have to have three walls in the fourth, which is much more like a permanent residence. Rabbi Gamliel Titania, Haosa Sukatoba Rosha Gala, Oba Rosha Sfina, Rabbi Gamliel Posel, Rabbi Kiba Machshira. Rabbi Gamliel holds that a sukkah, which was built on top of a wagon or a boat, right? Not anywhere where you were whole, where you would build a permanent residence, right? Those are things that move around. So he says they're Basul. Rabbi Akiva says, it is, uh, it is kosher. So again, Rabbi Gamliel, there's an element of sukkah that's like a permanent residence. Beit Shammai, Ditanan, Mishaya Roshobu Ravo, Bisukah, Vishokhano, Betokhabayit, Beit Shammai Poslinu, Beit Elam Right? So this case that we had a Beit Shammai before, 
before that a person's head and most of his body that are in a sukkah, but the table is out of the sukkah, right? Is outside of the sukkah, outside of his house, right? It's in his house. So Beit Shammai says that's not kosher because it's not big enough, right? A regular house, a permanent residence could hold your body and also a table, but Beit Hila would say it's okay. Rabbi Eliezer did none. Ha'osa sukato can mean sarif. So Rabbi Elazar talks about a case where you have sort of like a circular hut, like a teepee, basically, right? So there's no real roof, right? Rabbi Eliezer says that's not okay because it doesn't have a roof and a permanent residence would have a roof. The Chachamim say that is okay. And finally, a cherem, a detanya, right? They teach in a bright side, Right, that a, a sukkah that's built in a circular shape, like a dove cup, like where you would keep birds, is unfit because it doesn't have corners. And a permanent residence would have corners, right? A house is not usually built. A permanent residence, not usually built like that. So, Abai is saying something that's actually pretty radical, because I think what we always learn about sukkah is sukkah is supposed to be specifically a non-permanent residence, right? It's that time where we connect with God in a non-permanent space. And yet Abai is basically sort of pointing out that may be true, but I'm going to list for you every Tanaitic statement where it's a requirement for a sukkah to be kosher, they have a piece of it that's actually permanent. I'm not totally clear what Abai is getting at here, but I think he's making a very significant point that yes, we're going to say it's dirata rai, right? It's a non-permanent structure, but yet at the same time, he's going to say, but you know what? It may need to have one permanent feature in order for it to count as a sukkah. And so again, this staff is really just trying to tease out what are the minimal requirements to say a structure that one built is a sukkah. So I think that this um, tension, let's call it tension, between when, like in order to be a sukkah, it has to be sturdy enough to be kind of like a permanent residence but also impermanent enough to be not really like a permanent residence. And I think that in that tension is where we find all of this discussion. So I don't know that everybody else, like here it's pretty explicit that that's what's going on. I don't think that that's, I don't think it's always explicit at all. I don't think we've seen it really to this point. We, we might want to take this as a lens to, you know, to view these other machloks, like when there's a dispute to say like, is that really what's going on here? Is there a concern that it's too too sturdy, too impermanent, et cetera? It's a, again, I say, we're still towards the beginning of the Masechet, although it's going to fly by. It's not a very long one. Um, but I think that this is a, a, a perhaps a way to categorize what we're going to be seeing. Totally agree. And I think we're going to see how this plays out, what are the requirements they are, and specifically this issue around Arai versus Keva. You know, does the Gemara have more to say about that? Well, that's our DAP discussion for the day. Rank us review us on our major podcast. Thank you to our name, Michelle Farber, for hosting us on the Hadron website. Let us know what you thought about this DAP on our Talking Time on Facebook page. And until tomorrow, go and learn. 